You're listening to Inksets on CITR 101.9 FM. My guests this week are uh, two folks, uh, Shannon O'Leary and Joan Riley. Um, their anthology that they put together called The Big Feminist Butt, uh, spelled B-U-T. Um, is it out in stores now? It is. Yes. And this is a collection that you have both been working on for, from what I understand, quite some time. Um, yes. I remember. Yeah. Um, I guess I've been working on it since Joan. Would you say 2009? I think I've seen emails back that far. Yeah. That sounds about yeah. right. <laughs> um. <laughs> yeah. So it was sort of a an idea stage then. And do you want our origin story or? I think um maybe what I'm most interested in is kind of. There's lots of anthologies, um, and maybe the the thing with this is the kind of topic centric. Why is this as a topic that uh, the both of you felt needed, you know, a, a lot of coverage, um, hmm. and really to bring together a pretty diverse group of cartoonists together under said topic. That's a good question. Um, Joan, do you mind if I answer the first part of that, and then do you want to wait? No, weigh I think in you should. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, the I guess it kind of you know I I was talking with a friend of mine who used to work for the Comic Book Legal Defense Fund, Jill Friedman, at a comics event in New York about how we can't stand it when a woman says I'm not a feminist or anything, but and um, it just kind of got got me thinking about, like, well, it would be really interesting to kind of see what people's relationships are to feminism. And that was, and I think, like, since 2009, like, um, with the popularity of sites like Jezebel um, and um, ExoJane and things like that, there's been more of a... And just with Twitter, like it's you know it's able to bring a lot of different types of people with like-minded ideas together. And there's been um, a little bit more, uh, I would say, acceptance for feminism and calling oneself a feminist. Like then, I would say back in 2009, it was kind of a more. Um, it seemed like it was uh, a more loaded thing to to say or there was a lot more apology behind it like it, it was it, and now it, it seems like um, things have shifted a little bit so um, like in in you know the, the, the almost five years that we've been working on this book um, but basically like Joan um, got interested in it as well and a, a friend of ours from San Francisco um, did a script that Joan illustrated and um, I can't remember exactly what happened, but then all of a sudden we 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 decided we just started <laughs> editing it together. <laughs> I, I know think, like, it is funny how we can't remember. Neither one of us can remember exactly <laughs> what happened. <laughs> yeah, but I'm sure that, that at different points, like um, she was like, "What have you gotten me into?" But um, it, it, <laughs> <laughs> but um, basically, like it just seemed like we both. We both started um, 
you know, recruiting people and kind of um, managing the workflow. And so we just sort of became co-editors, I guess. And to, I guess getting back to your question of why um, we decided it was a important topic is it, it, was, it was sort of, Joan, wouldn't you say that people kind of just really kind of surprised us with how much they wanted to talk about it? Yeah, definitely. Um, people were really passionate about it. And it it was a very pleasant surprise, for sure. Yeah, like I kind of thought it would be one of those things where, like, oh, okay, I'll do like a little zine or something at first, or just like, oh, just give. You, I'm interested to hear what people think about this, and I ask some my favorite cartoonists, and then um, and then people really they wanted they started to get in touch with us when they heard about it and you know ask if they could contribute like it it shifted pretty quickly from us um seeking out people to contribute to having people come to us and ask to contribute or we would go to people and they would be like oh yeah i've heard about this i would love to do something for it but then we definitely also had people who were like no way i'm not touching that so <laughs> <laughs> Um, one of the interesting things I find is for me is it's kind of like a I don't use the term blanket because it's not covering but it it, it's Mm -hmm. a very wide definition um, Hmm. with the the creators really coming from a lot of different angles and sections and ideas and um, you know kind of bringing it and it, it I guess, like, it seems like part of it is you get this like, kind of greater scope of what feminism means to different people. That's good to hear. Was that something specific you're going for within the editing of um, making sure that you don't have, like, oh, we've got this topic really heavily covered? Well, we did, actually. Um, I think... We tried to, like, at one point we were like, no more mom stories. Remember that, Joan? Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> no more moms. No. We were definitely trying to have a, a good balance of, of perspectives, for sure. But um, it, was different. it was like a recipe or something. It was weird. We weren't yeah. like, oh, we need this. It was more like, oh, let's, how about let's, a little of this? It was intuitive, definitely. We didn't have a, a game plan or anything. Um, you dedicate the book to the fourth wave, and um, I guess what what I was thinking when I read that is kind of this idea of because you're talking about like right now it's a lot different than say 2009 because you're seeing these different conversations coming out of Twitter, mm-hmm. um, and and I kind of want to unpack that a little more, um, kind of getting this idea of what what is fourth wave feminism. Um, you know, is this like a reconciliation with a lot of different ideas coming in? Because that's it's really what the the feeling again from the book is like. It's huh. a lot less defined. Is that? <laughs> am, I, am I making yeah. sense? <laughs> yeah, I mean, my understanding of that maybe I'm wrong, but um, was just that it's like the feminism of the future. Yeah, that's, is that what you I saw, think- Shannon? Yeah, it was also like we were kind of throwing around like, oh, do we want to, I would like to, like, I was very strongly like, oh, I'd like to dedicate this book to my dad, you know, and to my mom, because they both, and then we were both talking about different family members, and then we both, we both hit upon it like, well, why don't, how about this, 
and then we both like a lot of how we edited the book we would just like Joan said we went by intuition and one of our rules has been if one of us if you know if we both feel strongly about something then that's definitely the direction we're going in if one of us feels strongly the other one doesn't then okay we'll go in the you know whichever one has a stronger feeling but with with the dedicating the book to the fourth wave it was one of those click moments where we're both like yes got it that's where this is going so no, well, what in- is the fourth wave, Shannon? <laughs> oh, sorry. Um, well, you know, feminism is is um, typically thought to be divided into into three waves currently, in at least in American history. Like, um, there's a suffragette movement, and then there's a the which um, you know fought for women to get the right to vote, to be able to own property, and then there's a second wave which came about in the '60s. Um, which is um, kind of like more the Ms. Magazine, Gloria Steinem. Uh, that's, I think, where you get your, some of your, that's where some stereotypes may, might have come up from. It's a very diplomatic with... way of going about things. It looks and a lot the more third rigid. Wave of feminism would... <laughs> yes. And I think the third wave feminism, like where, which I guess Joan and I would be more, you know, in the age group for third wave feminists is um, like people who came of age in the 80s and 90s. And um, it's kind of deal, it it was termed by um, Alice Walker, right, Joan, the third wave? Oh, dear. Yeah, I found something about that in my research. I think it was actually Rebecca Walker. Rebecca Walker, that's it. Alice Walker's daughter. Um, yeah, she coined the term third wave feminism. So, I, but I think that um, one of the things that we were kind of looking at it with this book, um, and again, I'm curious to hear what Joan has to say about this, is that, like, well, what is, okay, yeah, we have, like, um, sex positive feminism. We have, you know, um, Courtney Love, we've got like uh, a bunch of, of, of random kind of uh, cultural um, images from third wave feminism, a lot of identity politics stuff, which is very important. Um, but what are, you know, it's never been a movement that's really been defined by, um, I guess, like a big social change if that makes any sense mm-hmm. like how the first and second waves were and so maybe I think I, I'm getting the sense that maybe this next generation of of young women and I hope men will include themselves in this as well because um, I do strongly believe that feminism um, is uh, something that can um, work for men as well is that um, uh I, I, I'm hoping that the fourth wave of feminism will, you know, I'm not sure what what they're gonna do, mm-hmm. <laughs> but I think that um, I think it's gonna be interesting. There's a lot of interesting things on the table right now. So it seems there's um, one of the things that you seem to be striving for this, with the book is it's more of an idea of kind of an intersectionality of interests. Hmm. Yeah, that... I would say that's true. Like, nothing so... It's not binary. It's not 
this or the other. It's this and this and oh, this yeah. and this and this. And... Yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah, I feel... I Do you want to answer that, Joan? Like... Um... What was the question again? I don't know if it was a question. <laughs> you can pretend it was. It seems like it's maybe pointing to something a little more fluid. Did I understand that correctly? Like less binary? Less binary. I was saying, I, I, I use the term intersectionality just to kind of go like, you have all these kind of interests and forces and just kind of consciousness coming into modern feminism. Like, even just today, I was looking on Twitter, and uh, there's a hashtag, Solidarity is for White Women. Yes, I thought um, <laughs> Which is an interesting discussion, which is something that may have not been discussed so openly 15, 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Well, um, that's, yeah. Um, I... I guess I'm not, I'm not really, uh, I think that like kind of how, well, at least how I see feminism is that it's a breaking down of, of gender roles, um, mm -hmm. like accepted traditional gender roles. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so I think like that's going to create, um, that's naturally going to create more fluidity and that, that kind of makes things pretty broad in terms of. I guess, how people could interpret that. Mm -hmm.
How funky is your chicken? How funky is your chicken? How loose is your goose? Our goose is totally loose. So come on all your hog fans. So come on all your hog fans and shake your caboose. And shake your caboose. And I know you're recording me. Because I can tell when you're recording me. Let's talk about the folks you guys uh, brought in for this book. Um, a fairly diverse group of people. Um, one of the stories I really enjoyed was, um, it's by Dude, was uh, Jeffrey Brown's one. Um, yes. Kind of resolving, uh, like you just said, the, the roles and kind of how to be comfortable with these roles, um, which which I thought was really kind of really nice, beautiful, poignant way of kind of going through, like, here's an experience. Um, and I want to kind of bring in folks like that together. How much involvement do you have in that process of, of what they're doing and kind of what's coming about bringing in, like, a story like Jeff's? Well, um, I was the one who probably edited Jeff's, Jeff's story a little more. Um, he, um, uh, he want he he wanted to um, check with his wife, um, who I think uh, used to be an editor for Marvel, or um, I'm not sure, maybe she still is. Um, but he he wanted to check with her because he was um, he was actually talking. You know, he felt like he was he was voicing some of her concerns mm -hmm. that she'd had about um, being a mother. Um, and how, um, just as uh, for anybody that hasn't seen his story, that about how um, her feelings were just that it, you know, it, that she had just some, she just felt like when she had a baby that there were some um, biological mandates that had her needing to take care of the child more than Jeffrey did. Um, at least that was my understanding of the story. And just how they reconciled that and how they were, the, just the name of his story says, like, doesn't this baby understand we're trying to redefine gender roles? And um, so I think with with Jeff, um, you know, he wanted to he he wanted to go, he kind of wanted to go back and forth a little bit on that. And then it, I think because um, we also we pay, we paid all of our artists a, a fair page rate. Um, and at one point he came back and he said, I, this story is going to be a little longer. And I was like, whoa, Jeff, hold on. <laughs> <laughs> we can't afford that. And he, he said, that's okay. I want to, I want to, um, go, you know, I want to keep going with this. So, um, so in that, I, I found like, I, I don't know what Joan would say, but I found like a lot of people were pretty eager to kind of get something off their chest with, mm -hmm. with what they were writing. I would definitely agree with that. It was it was um, really heartening and inspiring to see that. Yeah, like um, Curran Mucha's uh, story very much. Oh kind yeah, of the same. that was yeah. another one that was um, that there was a lot of communication back and forth with uh, editing with that. Um, she was really she did a great great job on that story. She was the one that came up with that idea. Um, we approached her to be in the book because we both really like her work, and uh, but she was the one who came back with that idea, which was great because we didn't have anything else like it. Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, but she, we, um, 
I guess we went back, you know, we kind of went back and forth a little bit on the end on her story. Like, um, she was very, she was very opening to, uh, or very open to editing suggestions. So. Now, Shannon, let's talk about your story mm -hmm. a little bit. Um, it's kind of, it's a little different than the other ones because it has like a really interesting kind of abstract feel with the art. Or maybe not abstract, but kind of bare bones stripped down um yeah um rick rick carasquillo is kind of a he i think he's sort of a i guess like i don't know what you what you call that kind of 50s style illustration but but he's very influenced by that mm -hmm. so that kind of stripped down clip arty type of illustration style from the 50s and tell us a little bit about kind of what did you wanted to get across with that story uh, maybe without revealing too much because it's really interesting the way you work it um, with one idea Thank and you. Then another idea um, so I don't know well, how much you can do <laughs> <laughs> um, it, it, um, well for, it's the, the story is called Asking For It and it's, and it's about um, people's presumptions about rape um, and the way this story starts out is about, um, you know, it shows a woman, well, I'll leave it to people to discover, but it, it sort of, it touches on like, um, I guess it, it, it touches on what, uh, what, I don't know how to say this, <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, I was trying to get it like, um, People, I, I think specifically with rape, and this is one of the things that I think has been really changing with feminism this year in, in kind of an exciting way, is that I see like a lot of younger women are, are trying, like college age women are trying to organize, um, a, you know, to prevent sexual assault on campuses through um, a national network. And I think one of the um, terms that people are becoming more familiar with is rape culture. And I think, um, like, what that means is just people having preconceived ideas about who um, who's asking to get raped by their behavior, you know, as opposed to just like, hey, don't fucking rape anybody. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's kind of what I was trying to get across is that, well, somebody can be a completely imperfect victim and actually, like, a lot of what oftentimes what makes people victims are, are not what makes people victims that's a horrible thing to say I didn't actually just say that like but what makes people the best victim for people who are rapists is that they are that they live or that um, uh, I feel like I'm painting myself into a corner um, <laughs> just that um Sometimes the things that can make people um, uh, the, the best victims is maybe um, it's not like the, the image that you have from uh, from the uh, it's just like any any um, any flaws or any any perceived like sexual activity or um, or character. It's like a flaws. justification. Yeah. That people use. Yeah, it's a, well, I mean, it's, you know, it's brought up a lot. Blame the victim, blame the victim's yeah. behavior. 
so I kind of wanted to put up like a example of like, well, yes, you could look at this person and say they were asking for for it, I guess. But mm -hmm. really, does that ever excuse anything? And could you ever say that about anyone? No. And Joan, you did a adapted someone else's story. Yes, um, Suzanne Clyde, who is a great writer, prose writer, and she had a story she had written. She didn't write it specifically for our book. I think she had already written it um, previously, but she thought it would apply, which I, you know, obviously we agreed with. And um, I, I got to adapt it to a comic script and then illustrate it, which was really fun. It was a it was a nice process working with her. And so this story is kind of, I guess, just looking at someone's own expectations for themselves or own wants for themselves. Yeah, I think it's sort of a fantasy versus reality <laughs> dichotomy. Yeah. Um, and then what does that mean in terms of? how she, you know, what, what is her vision of the ideal female, I guess. Um, and it's pretty ambiguous. There's, there's no clear message or moral, um, which is kind of common for the stories in our book, I guess. Yeah, I was going to say that too. Yeah. Not a lot of uh, resolution. Well, we kind of, I think we made a conscious editorial choice, even though I wouldn't say it was like a mandate, but that we wanted things that were specific, not polemic, not, um, yeah. not too uh, prescriptive or polemic. We were looking yeah. for things that were people kind of looking at um, their own issues. and yeah, or, people wrestling with it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We wanted personal stories. So. Yeah. And how does a story like Justin Hall's um, one about gay marriage fit into this? Yeah, that's really interesting. A lot of people have been asking us that. Um, yeah. <laughs> or, like, I think somebody just asked Joan, like, um, about why we wanted to cover LBGT issues. And I guess from, you know, I'm a longtime reader of... Uh, Bitch magazine, which um, we the um, which was extremely supportive of of our book, and the um, co-founder for Bitch, um, Andy Zeisler, has a story in the book. Um, and uh, I always uh, remember reading in Bitch um, back in the nineties that, like, you know, when people would write them letters about you're covering LBGT issues too much. And they would say, guess what? That's part of feminism. And um, I think maybe, at least for me, um, I think like one of the things that I heard when the Defense of Marriage Act was struck down here in the States um, was that it was, I think a, a right-wing group was saying that it was the end of marriage as a gendered institution. And I was like, that sounds great. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so I, I, I guess there, like I, I think that's part of what what I'm. I'm gonna sound like a dumb straight girl here, but I think that's that's it strikes me as part of the the fight 
yeah. with that is that um and I know it's it's not it's not all of it but I think part of it is is that people want to just they want to keep people in like a box and if it if or that that's what's behind um you know people who are against gay marriage and I think Justin put it pretty eloquently um in his foreword I mean he defined he he defined it as a as a feminist struggle for mm -hmm. himself you know um I mean I know he um I know he um has a close relationship with his mom who he's considered to be a um a you know, a good role model in his life. And I think he's described her as being a pretty ardent feminist, um, second wave feminist. And so I think, you know, um, I think to him that that's how, that's, that was how, you know, when we, when we talked to him about doing a story, he was like, oh, I've already got a story I can do. I've got, I've already done it. I'll, I'll write a feminist forward to it. So, <laughs> <laughs> so it was his choice. But I start, you know, when I thought about it a lot when he turned it in, and I was like, you know, I, I do think this is a feminist issue. I'm sure a lot of people wouldn't agree with me, but that's okay. There's that's one of the things that I kind of like about this book too is that we're not we're just kind of asking people to check out the different ideas. We're not really um, in the different stories, and yeah. and not really trying to prescribe a course of action unlike is it and like you said earlier you wanted to really come from different angles and not just have 20 different mum stories yeah yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah mix it up another great thing you have in this is um a, one of uh i guess this is one of dylan williams's one of his last published stuff yeah yeah um then tell me about kind of Dylan's contribution and I'm presuming he was a pretty big supporter as you guys were starting out on this. Absolutely. Yeah. He, well, he was another one when we were like, Dylan, see, like I remember Joan sent me an email and I sent in the, when I sent her the story, she was like, I can't, Joan said in the email, I can't believe he has the balls to go on for 16 pages about this cleaning woman's life. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and I think it really works, but at the yeah. time we were concerned, like, oh, maybe that'll be too many pages. And I went back to Dylan and I said, "Do you think maybe, like, just kind of thinking about the finished product, um, do you think that like you can maybe <laughs> cut down the pages?" And he was like, "No way! I'm obsessed with this cleaning woman. There's no way." <laughs> and I was like, "All right, you do." And um, well, it does. It does. I'm sorry to interrupt you, Shannon. But oh, no problem. It, it does. Um, the lengths communicates the drudgery yeah. of her life. I mean, that's the point of it. And so it it takes you through an experience, which is great. It's It really is a work of art, for sure. Yeah, I think, um, I, I don't like playing favorites in this book, but for, you know, for obvious reasons, that that is probably one of my, my favorite pieces. But also Dylan surprised us with that piece. Like he, um, I, did, I think it's a really nuanced take on on uh, class issues in feminism, you know? Mm. It's amazing how he creates this kind of mundane silence in it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's, uh, 
No, I, 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 I'm very. I was really surprised to see such a long story by him in there, and it was, it was a nice surprise. Well, it was definitely. Um, I mean, he was really into it when um, he did it. Like he, he was really, you know. And like I said, there was no, there was no talking to him about the length. He knew exactly how he wanted it to be and what he wanted to say. And I think Joan's right that the way that he, that he, it's good that he fought for that. I think it, it, it works really well. Yeah. 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 <laughs> All right. <laughs> Now, you guys did a Kickstarter um, to kind of pay for it, and tell me about that choice, because uh, from what I understand, you already had the work all done, um, and the Kickstarter kind of came in as a latter-day thing. Well, yeah. yeah. Sorry, oh. go ahead. Oh, well, when when we first started working on the book, we got approached by an agent, actually, really quickly. Um, and so we were working with her for a while, um, and um, but she told us pretty quickly, like this book is great except for the title. You gotta <laughs> take the word feminism out of the title. <laughs> and we both would love to say that we were like, no way, lady, get lost. But we were both like, you know, okay, we want to try to sell yeah. this book. We want to listen to her and. And we, it didn't work. We tried to do what she said for the longest time, and it, it was just a really awful experience, I think, if that's fair for me to say for both of us, Joan. And when we came back around to the original title, it, we, we just kind of, like, after that experience, we decided we were going to make the book however, how we wanted to, you know? And that, just with the way that... I mean, there's not there's not really a lot of options in terms of a small publishing, and we had been working on it for so long at that point, and had you know, in addition to that, we'd had other things kind of other. Uh, we've definitely had other other interests pop up, but we I think we both had kind of a and Joan, correct me um, if this is not speaking to how you felt, but I think we both kind of felt a need to. To press on with it, you know, but that it was complete and we wanted to get it out there. So, oh yeah, for sure. There's something interesting and indicative of uh, people's headspaces if she didn't want, you know, had problems with the title, or thought, you know, <laughs> there was problems with the title. Yeah, well, it, it was just funny because it demonstrated the very point of the book. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and like I said, we, I wish that we could. We could look like heroes in that situation and be like, no way, we're going to do this. We want to, but instead we got, you know, we just, we wound up, we neither <laughs> was happy with doing it that way. 
Like we totally, yeah, we, we tried it out. We listened to her. We figured, well, she must know what she's talking about because you know she's in this business, and um, and we even came up with a new cover image that was sexier. <laughs> we cut like we came up with the title. It's really funny. Rick. We thought that's sexy because she said she kept saying, "Make it sexy, make it sexy," and then <laughs> now I just looked back on it and I was just like, "Geez, I can't." It's so <laughs> It's got a sexy cover right now. It's pink. It's got butt on it. Big butt on it, yeah. <laughs> it's got a big old butt on it, yeah. Um, it, yeah, I mean, that's the part that, you know, Heidi McDonald, actually, um, is she, it, it, when I told her, like, I, because after the agent told us, like, she was like, books with the word feminism in the title don't sell, I did a search on Amazon, and I was like, Oh my God, she's right. There's a there's books <laughs> about yeah. feminism, like about the history of feminism that don't even mention the word that we're you know it it's just become yeah. it it I think it's just recently become a less a less dirty word. Yeah, you know, but there's still a lot of, like and like I said, there's been there's been some subtle shifts I think in since we started working on this project to when. Because we, I mean, we were shocked at how much support the project got from all over the world. I mean, literally all mm -hmm. over. The world. Like it, it was, it was really, um, it was really touching to you know to see people from Singapore, um, people from United Arab Emirates, like, um, like being interested in in the idea. I was, I, I'll be honest, I was pretty surprised that you guys hit the goal. Originally, I was like, all right. It's just I see so many, you uh -huh. know, great indie alternative cartoonists doing Kickstarters and just scraping to hit two grand. Like, yeah. like mm -hmm. you know, yeah. like Ted May, like, that, that one just barely got through. And, I mean, he's really great yeah. cartoonist. And it just, in a lot of ways, isn't quite the avenue or isn't the product that Kickstarter excels at? You know, it's not a web comic and blah blah blah. Um, so myself, I was I was like, oh, I hope they do it. And then, yeah. <laughs> and then well, you guys I think a lot of that, a lot of the success is, you know, can be credited to Shannon's PR studliness. Oh. <laughs> we got a lot of great press, and that got a lot of people looking at it. I mean, I don't know that people, that everybody in comics is necessarily good at getting the word out, you know? And that's what Kickstarter's all about. Mm -hmm. I, think, and I, I think there was something about it where, like, my, my boyfriend actually said, where he, he said, he works in marketing, and he, he said when we launched the Kickstarter and it started, you know, it started to do pretty well pretty quickly, and we made our goal and three weeks and we gave ourselves four weeks um and he's when you know when I was you know expressing surprise and delight I guess about that he said well it's it's sticky he's the marketing term sticky <laughs> like it's an idea people get what it means it's yeah. not a title you have to explain to people you yeah know? it's not abstract at all yeah, yeah. True. So I think that a lot of, like, a lot of what we saw with the response we saw when it did get passed around is sometimes people would see it and they would just be like, oh, hell yes, I'm, yeah. I'm into this, you know, just, and, um, 
so I think it had like like um, I think like you said, Kickstarter is a great venue for web cartoonists, but in particular, like if somebody has a strong following um, on the web already, then they will ace their Kickstarter immediately. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, neither of us uh, really had that. But I think what what our book does have is that it's one of those books that's of interest to people who don't maybe own like one graphic novel or something yeah. or or if they don't own one they're like oh well this is a topic i'm interested in so maybe i will try reading a graphic novel about it yeah it has that crossover appeal which worked in our favor as well like it, it crosses over into the non-comics world it's topically interesting yeah yes. <laughs> and it and for me it's also important because it, it's not just here's a feminist book but uh, well it's it's really pushing forward ideas um, and not resting on laurels of, of going to be about the ideas, if that makes sense. I don't know if I'm really saying it correctly. Um, hmm. I, I guess I'm not sure what... what I guess I, sometimes it's just <laughs> I've seen other projects which on Kickstarter, which... How do I say this politely? Um... <laughs> <laughs> may not be as critically attuned as this is. Ah, I think I see what you're saying. Do you, does that make sense? Like for me, it's really important to kind of have this like critical analysis to what you're doing. When you're doing something like this, there's a critical analysis, and that's. Yeah, I guess that was always kind of the point. Is we didn't like I said, you know, because we got some stories back, um, from people where we were like, this is too, um, or scripts. We didn't get actual finished work from people, yeah. but we got some scripts where we, where we were like, this is too, you know, this, this is too much of a, a statement. You know, we're kind of looking for, yeah. it's just not the right fit. And, and even though we never really came out and said it, and um, I think we both knew we were kind of looking for something less, I keep saying the word prescribed. Yeah. Um, and and something more exploratory. We really yes. wanted people to, and we really wanted like good cartoonists and writers to examine, just examine their ideas and not necessarily come to any conclusions. So I, I guess we had to kind of keep a, there was a lot of things that we, you know, that we were like, you know, it's good, but it's just not gonna fit. Like um, it's it's not going to to fit in to fit into this. Cause there was also, we also had the problem of like with some pieces where it was like, believe it or not, where it was like, it was a little too vague. We were like, we can't see where this fits. <laughs> so it was like a fine line to cross. Like there was definitely like, we got some things where we were like, this is good. We like this, but it's just not saying enough, you know? So it was a fine line that where we had to yeah. be like, paying attention to that. Now, you mentioned earlier having to pay folks or wanting to pay folks and talking about the importance of doing that in the era of um, comic anthologies that don't pay. <laughs> I'm just going to be blunt. <laughs> well, I think we both know what it's like to be broke freelancers. <laughs> and um, I mean, I'll, I'll definitely, I, I'm going to, Joan, when I'm done, I think we probably both have different different things that are important to us about it but it's like anybody who works in comics sees you know sees or is approached to work for free or work pr 
practically for free, you know? And um, we wanted to make sure, and, it, and I think that, you know, if I could be blunt, like sometimes that shows in anthologies. And, yeah. and we wanted to put together a quality collection. And we thought, well, then we got to pay for it. We want yeah. to do that. So. Exactly. I mean, you get what you pay for sometimes. I mean, sometimes people are really passionate and they just want to do a piece and it doesn't matter if they're not getting paid for it. But, you know, I would say we definitely got stuff turned in in a more timely manner by paying people. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny how that works. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, because it's, it's just plain... It's it's just a reality. It becomes more of a priority because it helps somebody pay their rent. So, you know, it's just a practical concern, but also an ethical one. Um, yeah, and I paid for that stuff. <laughs> exactly. People should, I mean, it, it's still, you know, I'm reading that um, History of Marvel Comics book right now. And it's really one of the things that it's really driving home for me is, is just, God, this is always, I mean, it's such a labor. I mean, everybody knows this that makes, creates comics or is involved in the comics industry. It's, a, it's yeah. an incredibly labor intensive medium and it's probably one of the least compensated for what it is. So I guess we wanted to just, you know, respect people's contributions. And like we're saying, just you get what you pay for if we didn't want to do a shitty book. So. <laughs> <laughs> Not to be uh, bragging at all. We actually, we had some people say like, hey, I will, I will, um, you know, they, they came to us and they weren't expecting to get paid and they were like, oh, you're going to pay me? That's great. So, yeah. <laughs> so that was kind of a, a nice side effect of things as well. So. Now the book's out in stores. Is it available in regular comic stores through Diamond or the kind of it's, nicer specialty comic key stores? Um, it's being distributed through Last Gas. Uh, primarily, but also through Sparkplug and um, uh, uh, Joan, what is that? John Porcelino's distribution? Oh, spit and a half. Spit, spit and a half, yeah. Spit and a half, yeah. So, um, yeah. That's, and then it's also available on the interwebs for purchase there. Are you, either of you, doing any upcoming shows, comic conventions, yes. and whatnot? Yes. <laughs> Joan, take it away. I am attending Aut Optic in Minneapolis this coming weekend, actually. I should make sure to get this up before then. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, I'm going to be taking it to SPX. I sort of snuck in because, um, you know, SPX was already sold out. But uh, The Strumpet, which is a an all-female anthology, um, they've offered some table space to the big feminist butt, so we're camping out at the strumpet table at SPX. Nice. And then I think you're going to Ape too, right? I hope, I hope I'm going to Ape. I haven't gotten a confirmation that I got a table, but I'm pretty sure that's going to happen. So, Ape in October. Yeah. There we go. How about uh, not the the Comics Art Brooklyn or... Well, uh, we might have to try to sneak in there, too. That's totally sold out. <laughs> I don't but, even know um, how that one worked. <laughs> Just suddenly, oh, there's... Yeah. There's well, it was, you know, curated, and... Uh, it, uh, yeah, and I don't think anybody fully understands 
the mysterious workings of that. But um, maybe, yeah, we're going to try to figure out a little bit of table space there. We'll see. If not, you'll have copies in your backpack. <laughs> now, now, I don't want to uh, flout Gabe's rules. <laughs> <laughs> Well, thank you both for uh, joining me today to chat about the big feminist butt. Um, thank my... you, Robin. Yeah, thank you. Uh, to reminder, I've been talking to Shannon O'Leary and Joan Riley. Um, thank you both very much. And uh, yeah, I really enjoyed it. It's a really great collection. Well, thank, thank you. you. I'm glad you liked it. Fight. <laughs>